if, if you think about uh, the foundational pieces of infrastructure that are needed to make this happen, silicon and software, we are already now engaged with automakers where the silicon that is being demanded for ADAS and the silicon being demanded for cockpit is the same. They want to be able to make sure there's the same underlying hardware, high-performance hardware, have access to all the capabilities so you can run any kind of software transparently across the two domains because the domains are blending. Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Kirsten Korosak, a transportation editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Alex Roy, the founder of the Human Driving Association and the director of special operations at Argo AI, whom I do not represent on this show. And I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I am the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors and the communications director at Partner for Automated Vehicle Education. And today uh, we have, for the first time on the Atonicast, from Qualcomm, the, uh, the chip giant and uh, sort of increasing automotive juggernaut. Uh, we have Nikul Dugal. He's the senior vice president and general manager of automotive for Qualcomm Technologies. And um, we're very glad that uh, he was able to make the time to be uh, with us today. Nicole, welcome. Well, very nice to meet you all. And I'm super excited to have you on <laughs> because there's recently been a lot of talk around driver monitoring systems and the future of human-driven vehicles, and how Qualcomm might optimize that. And that is my true passion. <laughs> um, well, I thought it, we should do a little catch-up because, Nicole, last time I spoke to you was more than a year ago. A lot has changed. Um, and that was at the time when the company had launched a new automotive platform called Snapdragon Ride. And the idea, from my understanding, was that it was designed to power like different levels of automated driving. Um, from you know active safety systems in passenger cars, all the way up to potentially you know robo taxis. So it's like this scalable platform, a system on chip accelerator, and autonomous stack. Um, and I think that for a lot of us who ha- are not as familiar with your automotive piece, you know we think of Qualcomm like supporting mobile phones, but but you actually, the company actually does a ton in automotive products. So give me a sense of what has happened since, you know, January 2020 um, when that, that automotive platform and, and what other areas um, is the company on the automotive side really focused on? Is it primarily this uh, Snapdragon ride platform? Great. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, a lot has happened, and as uh, you know, you guys are in the industry. You know how much is going on in the automotive space. Uh, you know, maybe just to take a step back, we've uh, thought about our strategy uh, around automotive for a number of years, and uh, over the last, I would say, eighteen months or so, uh, we've made a major transition to start to think about the digital chassis of the vehicle. What we find as we engage with automakers globally is that there is a big transition happening in terms of who do they partner with as they start to deal with the the entire transition towards software, towards being able to generate more revenue from the vehicle, new electric architectures as you start to move to electrification, uh, what type of silicon you pick, what type of uh, environments you pick for within the vehicle, outside the vehicle. You talked about autonomous. Uh, so we've taken a big step back and we've looked at 
what are the various assets that we have uh, within our business? What are the what are the new assets that we need to acquire? And while all of this is going on, uh, you know, the business has been growing. Uh, we've seen, uh, we announced in our earnings recently, and we've started to split uh, automotive out as a separate business. We announced a $10 billion designment pipeline. We are now running at an annualized run rate of over a billion dollars a year and uh, seeing a lot of growth ahead of us. So let me break things down into, uh, you know, what is going on in terms of our engagements with uh, the automakers and kind of the shift in terms of our strategy. First off, uh, you know, when we started to engage in automotive, uh, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago, as a dedicated business unit. What was evident was that the decision-making was uh, all based off of tier ones making recommendations to automakers on how you bring new technology in. As I look ahead around decisions that we are involved with uh, automakers around the world, uh, that is changing. Uh, Automakers are looking to make partner choices, not for one generation, but for multiple generations. And if you think about the importance of that, what that means is automakers have a limited amount of R&D dollars to invest. Once they make that investment, they have to be able to make sure that the software platforms that they're building are reusable, uh, live beyond the one generation of silicon or hardware that they're building. So our chassis concept, which expands beyond, you know, so it's not just 5G. When we talk about 5G, it's actually telematics. It is V2X. It is Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. It is location services. It's all the software that goes alongside it. When we talk about the digital cockpit, it is what the cockpit is today and what the cockpit is becoming in the future. You know, you you mentioned uh, Alex. You mentioned driver monitoring. You know, driver monitoring, occupant monitoring, child presence detection. They're becoming part and parcel of what the digital cockpit is. Cameras are getting integrated. Uh, audio is getting much more sophisticated. You are bringing in software ecosystems like Google Gas or Amazon's ecosystem into the vehicle. So you're basically seeing a very significant amount of shift in terms of how various hardware and software ecosystems kind of take over the vehicle. And then finally, uh, the question on ADAS and autonomous driving. Look, I think there is a lot uh, that has happened over the last uh, many years, of course, uh, many companies are uh, definitely in the forefront in terms of uh, the uh, the mindshare. Uh, our focus has, is twofold. Uh, we are launching our first ADAS systems with major automakers next year. So we will have cars on the road running uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon ride platforms uh, middle of next year. But more importantly, uh, there is a clear line between assisted driving and autonomous driving. Uh, We are spending a lot of effort uh, on making sure that we are able to focus on where the market is going to scale. We believe that assisted driving is, uh, you know, going to become standard, is already standard in many vehicles, but that advancement is going to keep going. Uh, Our uh, acquisition of Vioneer should give you an indication of uh, our our motivations, our focus in terms of that specific space and why we believe it is very important for a company like us to be very focused on understanding uh, safety from an automaker's point of view. So that was a long monologue. Apologize for that. I'm happy to uh, take any questions on any and all of that. So is is that 
what is the status of the Viennier uh, deal? So, uh, you know, public information, we made a topping bid on top of uh, Magna's offer uh, about uh, three weeks ago now. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is a company that we've had a partnership with on the stack for about a year. We uh, initially uh, set up a letter of uh, intent to work with them in MOU middle of last year, and then we set up a collaboration earlier this year. We are working with a number of different customers on uh, an integrated solution with the arrival stack, uh, which is the stack that Vionier is building, and Snapdragon Ride. So, uh, you know, I think over the next coming weeks, uh, Alex, I think you will see how this uh, plays out, but uh, uh, important part of our strategy. And we are not looking to become a tier one, right? That is not our goal. Uh, we are looking to expand our capabilities in the stack space. We are looking to expand our capabilities in the automotive safety space, which is something that every automaker that we talk to considers is very important. They believe that uh, for us to really be able to be a credible supplier, it is very important when you are dealing with the business of uh, safety systems you come with the heritage, you come with the credibility of what it takes to build safety solutions. And uh, that was one of the reasons why we partnered with Vionier after looking at the entire industry. But we do, you know, we have announced we are not going to be in the tier one business. So assets that are tier one centric will be assets that we will divest, but we will focus on really the software and the systems aspects of the business. Ed? Yeah, um, most people can probably understand uh you know, how cars are becoming more like smartphones. It's something that gets discussed a lot, but uh, it's not always obvious how, you know, smartphones and, and cars can actually be quite different. And I'm just curious, as a, a company that's known, you know, for your work in the mobile space, uh, but you've also, I mean, you've been working with uh, Qualcomm Automotive since 2011. Um, what is that relationship like between the, you know, the, the core sort of mobile device electronics uh, part of the business and, and automotive? Like, like what are the strengths that you can bring into automotive from, from your core business? Um, and, and what are the areas that, that really like differentiate auto from, from some of the other businesses you're in? You know, I, I don't really like the analogy of uh, cars are like smartphones. I don't think cars are anything like smartphones. But I think if you think about uh, a chassis, as I described earlier, there is a lot of core technology that we build within the company that actually applies very directly into the automotive space. I'll give you some examples and you'll be surprised. Uh, Powerline communications uh, is something that is now part and parcel of every electric vehicle. We are one of the largest suppliers of PLC chips. This was uh, a technology that we actually uh, brought over from our uh, wired networking business. Homeplug GreenFi is where it was founded we supply into every major automaker uh, PLC chips. Uh, Wi-Fi Bluetooth is businesses that we have you know, done for years now, decades. Wi-Fi Bluetooth, Bluetooth Low Energy, GPS, part and parcel of every car. You can't really build a car without these foundational technologies. If you think about uh, high-end SOCs, uh, you know, application processors, the type of IP that you need to be able to build graphics, multimedia, audio, CPUs, DSPs, this is something that we are doing at scale. We are shipping billions of chips every year that need this fundamental IP. Now, to your question about what have we done different? So when we started off in the business, you know, I've been doing this for about 10 years, but Qualcomm has been selling 
into the telematics space for over two decades. We started off with GM back in 2002 with OnStar. What we've done over the last 10 years is actually a very interesting progression. First, we, you know, as we started to get serious about the business, it was clear that we had to build automotive-grade products. You had to do automotive quality. We have to be able to support temperature ranges that are much more advanced than what you do typically for a consumer business. So we set that foundation up, you know, seven, eight years ago. Over the last five years, what we have done is to actually make sure that we add safety, uh, so ASIL support into the fabric of all of the IP that we develop. So we don't really build chips for automotive that really look anything like uh, what we ship into the consumer space. These are all chips that have safety support. We have safety software. All of our partnerships, you know, are very public with QNX, with Green Hills, and many others are centered around making sure that the products that we are building are required for uh, what's going to work for the automotive ecosystem. What is interesting, though, is that the automotive ecosystem needs a lot of consumer ecosystem to work alongside it. And we have a lot of expertise, obviously, in what happens on the consumer side. So we've been able to build a very good balance between the foundational infrastructure that is needed, whether it is quality, it is safety, the scale at which silicon needs to be built. But then when you talk about software in the ecosystem that comes along with it, find the balance between fast-moving consumer ecosystems, you know, the 4G to 5G transition, what Google is doing in the gas space, bring those ecosystem partnerships into the mix and be able to kind of create this open platform. And that is what makes... Uh, that's a very attractive uh, partner for uh, really every automaker today. You know, we have, I mean, uh, uh, the 10 billion uh, pipeline that we announced is uh, because we are now a supplier to, you know, 25 of the top automakers for uh, cockpit systems, for telematic systems, for connectivity systems. So there is a lot of, uh, uh, there are a lot of designs. There is a lot of product that is backing those numbers. How have you seen, um, we, we talk a lot about DMS systems here. And obviously that's an important piece of an advanced driver assistance system. How have you seen either the popularity or interest in it change in, in just maybe the the last year or two? Or have you seen it? Has there always been a lot of interest in it? Or is it more recent that you know automakers are have expressed interest in in having these systems in their vehicles? Yeah, we are engaged with the DMS and all variants of DMS, OMS, CPS across the board. Uh, in a couple of uh, couple of points in Europe, as you start to see DMS becoming uh, important as part of NCAP, uh, we are starting to see a lot a lot of interest in standalone DMS systems. Uh, what we are uh, requested by our uh, tier one partners, OEM partners, is to actually open up our DSPs to be able to deeply integrate uh, DMS capabilities. So, for example, we announced a partnership with Seeing Machines where we integrate their DMS capabilities uh, deeply into our silicon so that when you have to develop applications on top, that they're able to maximize the use of our AI capability, our camera capability, our detection capability. What we are also seeing in high-end infotainment systems uh, is uh, two, two trends. One is, in addition to cameras, we are also seeing uh, interior radar systems. So to be able to detect the presence of a child or the presence of a pet uh, in the rear seat where the camera does not have uh, access. 
And how do you go from DMS to actually occupant monitoring and uh, from a regulatory perspective, child presence detection? And all of these features are a combination of sensors and hardware that exists inside the cabin, but then is supplemented by, uh, you know, uh, companies like Seeing Machines and their capabilities at the DMS layer, and then further complemented by application layer software that is actually going to be able to make decisions around drowsiness, distraction, uh, the, you know, the uh, correlation between a, what's the temperature in the car versus who's in the rear seat? Is the car locked? Is the window lowered? Those are the types of conversations, but more importantly, those are types of uh, designs that we are involved in with a variety of our customers. So very broad space, and I expect this is going to be, you know, more and more standard as uh, as cars get more intelligent. I, I'm curious. It, it seems like you know, for many years we've had uh, discussions on this show about what seems like a failure of imagination in the application layer in between ADAS, uh, driver monitoring, and the potential for what people refer to as level three. The, the, the management of transitions between modes, between two and four, which is in effect three, how come, or speculate if you, if you, if you can, how come there haven't um, been startups whose sole focus is the application layer around cognition measurement and transitions because we've seen OEMs come out with cars that are allegedly level three. They have the hardware, they have some software, but where is the HMI component around the application layer? It's a very good question. Uh, it's an excellent question. My view, uh, you know, I think the space is, uh, the space is fraught with complexity for a couple of reasons. Whenever you talk about safety, the opinions in terms of how do you even hand over control to the vehicle and then keep the driver engaged is a space that obviously has a lot of opinions within the auto industry because it comes down to the safety of the vehicle, the safety of the customer that you are enabling that capability with. I think that's kind of number one. I think number two is uh, the capability of uh, you know what you de- described as level two and level three has a lot to do with the ODD the operational domain within which that capability is implemented. So how do you now suddenly train someone to operate differently when you're on the highway, surface street, uh, different time of day, different weather? Uh, Because the sensors that you put into the vehicle are essentially going to determine what kind of capability uh, the vehicle is going to be able to exhibit. The third piece, which is then to your point about HMI and how you keep drivers engaged, what is the that visual representation, that starts to get into the connection between the ADAS autonomous part of the domain of the vehicle versus the visualization or the cockpit part of the vehicle. You know, and some companies, you know, if you look at Tesla and what they've done, done a very good job in terms of keeping the driver aware of what is around. I mean, you we can start to get into, you know, uh the overall offering and uh, everything else. But if you think about how do you make the driver aware of what is happening around the driver, uh, complex uh, complex problem statement. The reason why I think startups have not really been very successful is this is a hard space to infiltrate within a production vehicle. If you want to be able to do this at scale, if you want to do uh, if if you want to influence what an automaker has to deploy, it requires a lot of time, a lot of planning, a lot of uh, a lot of decision making to be 
made up front. And so I think there are a lot of moves that are happening, but this is not something that uh, I think we're going to start to see a big shift around overnight. I think it's going to be a progression. One thing that I can say, Alex, is if, if you think about uh, the foundational pieces of infrastructure that are needed to make this happen, silicon and software, we are already now engaged with automakers where the silicon that is being demanded for ADAS and the silicon being demanded for cockpit is the same. They want to be able to make sure there's the same underlying hardware, high-performance hardware, have access to all the capabilities so you can run any kind of software transparently across the two domains because the domains are blending. You said something really interesting that I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone else ever put together, that there seems there's a, an inverse correlation between what Tesla has done regarding sharing situational awareness of what the ADAS hardware sees, because you have this wonderful situational awareness display, but they also do the worst job of informing the driver, user, what their role is in, that, in, the, in the driving task. And every other, almost every other car you drive, there's virtually no information available regarding what the car sees and the driver is forced to assume it's all on them. And that is, that is everything. And I will tell you why. It's because in most companies, the, company, uh, the, the organization that built ADAS systems are responsible for safety, for driving, for actuation. Uh, the organization that built the visualization system or the cockpit are responsible for infotainment. We have, you know, we have a term that we've uh, uh, come up with, which is informational ADAS, and you can call it what you will, but it really comes down to situational awareness of what is going on around you in whatever state you are in. If you're backing out of your parking garage and there is a pet that you're going to be able to run over, uh, you have to be able to provide that information in real time as you are backing out. That's where it matters the most. And you know what I just said about the types of asks that we have upon us? We are being told by automakers, give us the same silicon, give us the same platform, because the software that we will define in the next generation platforms has to have the ability to be able to move around between the ARAS domain and the cockpit domain. That is starting to happen. Uh, it is a complicated uh, transition because, you know, unlike Tesla, who's doing everything in-house, and had really a clean sheet of paper to start from. Most other uh, automakers really have separate organizations, separate legacies, a variety of different problem statements to go solve for. So as you try to combine those two, it's going to take some time. But architecturally, things are starting to uh, you know uh, converge. So um, to wrap things up, maybe you can give us a prediction of where, based on everything that you know now and where you see it's heading, where are we going to be? Um, where is the automotive industry going to be in two years, which is about how long it takes, you know, from decisions happening now to trickle into two vehicles? Are we going to see dramatic changes and virtually every new vehicle have um, DMS systems and other sensing systems? Um, or is there going to be something more unexpected? No, I, look, I think a uh, couple of thoughts. You know, I think, number one, uh, automakers have uh, clearly seen the challenge that Tesla has uh, thrown at them. And, uh, you know, I think Musk says this all the time. You know, 
getting the automotive industry to transform to get to the next level is something that I think every automaker is taking very seriously. And what we are thrilled to see is, you know, the capability that you can uh, build around a transportation platform, both inside the vehicle, outside the vehicle, how it interacts with its uh, infrastructure, with its environment. The, I mean, the potential, the possibilities are just massive. And for a company like us, you know, we are known, I think you guys mentioned this, you know, we are known as a smartphone company. But if you really think about the roots of the company, we're a systems company. Uh, we invent technology, we invent standards. We are very broad in terms of the ecosystems that we touch. And the approach that we are taking with automotive is to really become a first, first citizen partner to the automotive industry. And that is why the moves that you're seeing from us uh, are uh, are that important in terms of kind of where we are headed. Uh, to your specific question, I think the uh, I think the interior of the cabin and making sure that that is an experience that the automaker is going to own uh, every which way is something that I think you're already seeing. You will start to see more and more of that. We are part of many of those experiences that you will start to see. I think connectivity and building new business models around how connectivity changes the value proposition for a car, what new revenue sources you can create, that is something that will start to become very relevant, and there's going to be a lot of foundational technology. And then in terms of uh, ADAS, my prediction is that you're going to start to see these features uh, becoming become more and more focused on convenience as opposed to full autonomy. I think full autonomy has a few challenges in that it has to, you know, it's going to be geofenced. It's going to require a lot of sensors. It's going to work in some parts of the world. Very difficult value proposition to sell to the average uh, car buyer. But the whole idea of uh, this is a feature that, you know, and I like the GM uh, Super Cruise uh, feature a lot because uh, it is very clear what you're buying. Uh, the car is paying attention to you as the car is driving. If you're distracted, the car is going to get you to take over. Uh, it is a safety-focused application. And as these systems mature, see, the complexity is that when you roll out something that is assisted driving and you're asking the driver to disengage, you are taking responsibility for the safety of the driver. Very, very high bar of responsibility for every automaker. And so I feel like if you are not going to take that seriously, uh, you're not going to have a product that will scale. You're not going to have a product that customers will trust like they trust an airbag or a seatbelt. So we believe that you know, for a long-term partnership that we have to forge with customers, especially in the safety space, you have to make sure that you understand every aspect of that responsibility. Uh, but look, we are uh, very focused on the digital chassis. This is something that uh, you are going to see a whole lot more from Qualcomm on. So, you know, I appreciate your time and uh, let's stay connected. I think uh, there is a lot more that you're going to see over the coming months. Definitely. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining. And of course, we have to thank our audience for listening to another episode of the Atonicast.